0: listening to The Outer Reach, stories from beyond. This is The Grand Prize by Richard Haxton.
1: It's important that while I still can, I tell you about how it all happened, so you can try to understand like I'm trying to understand. I remember that first day arriving at the launch station, looking up. I mean, this thing was amazing. It was big, bigger than any ship I'd ever seen before. I mean, whoa. As soon as we got underway, the captain gathered all the passengers together and gave us a tour. They all looked like rich people to me. Had to be rich to take that ride. Wasn't so much the way they were dressed. You could just tell them standing around talking to each other, all reserve-like. Sure felt like I didn't belong there. Captain showed us some fancy new engines that were gonna take us faster than the speed of light. They call them FTL engines. Huge, like everything else. And plated in gold, or something that looked like gold. I'm thinking, are they serious with this shit? Perfectly safe, the captain said. Tried and true. He sounded like somebody auditioning to play the captain for a grade school play. Ah, but the cabin. Better than any hotel I'd ever stayed in. King-size bed. Big window. Could not believe the view. Galaxy Central News.
0: Welcome to Galaxy Central News. I'm Cady Albassar. Today marks the maiden voyage of the Lucindra, Galactic Commerce Corporation's recently completed tourist vessel. It's the first such ship outfitted with faster-than-light engines. FTL tech was previously restricted to unmanned government ships. Passage on the Lucindra isn't cheap, but Galcom raffled off tickets to two lucky low-income individuals. Calcom has not released the names of the winners. In related news, no court date has been set for the class action suit brought by members of the Langley colony. They say critical shipping routes to their colony are being disrupted due to travel restrictions related to the Lucindra's highly publicized preparations.
1: When we left the port on Mars, we cruised for a few hours. When we went faster than light speed, I was expecting a lurch or maybe a jump or something when these big engines kicked in, but there was basically nothing, just a hum under my feet. Then I looked out and saw space moving past us. I don't know how to describe it. It Looked like darkness and light at the same time. Made me feel like I just had some kind of high energy drink that wired me up, but reminded me how tired I was got me thinking I was so connected, I could see around corners. Back in my room, I started remembering things I hadn't thought about for a long time. All those things that led me to drive my life off into the ditch back home. But I was starting to feel like that was all in the past, like everything was about my future now, all laid out right in front of me, like a big cafeteria. All I needed to do was reach out, grab what I wanted, take a bite. During sleep period, I had a dream, but it was so real, it didn't feel like a dream. I was inside an old fort, or a castle maybe. Outside, I could feel the presence of something gigantic. All I wanted to do was get in. After sleep period, before breakfast, I got the feeling that things were different, almost like my mind got an upgrade or something. As I lay in my bed, I started re-examining that day at the shelter downtown when Theo made everybody take that physical. That never happened before. <laughs> if that was all right, they even paid me to do it. And a few days later, she said my physical had some problems and I had to do it again. Hell, for that kind of money, I take a physical every day. I may have been homeless, but I always tried to make sure I took good care of myself. Second time, they did a lot more tests, and they started asking me questions about my life, about my family and friends. That part didn't take long. I got nobody. Next day, Thiel told us about this drawing for some trip on a high-class tourist ship to some other galaxy. They passed out all these raffle tickets to everybody. Said some big company bought them for us. And about a week later, I want it. I remember Theo. She was so happy. At the time, I could not believe it.
0: In the other news, earlier today, Senator Pleb characterized recent government spending as out of control. Well, belt tightening is necessary. Waste, corruption and government giveaways threaten to drive our fragile economy into what I'd call dangerous territory. Pleb added that he has no sympathy for those protesting recently passed austerity measures. And though he has yet to declare, Pleb continues to lead polling in the gubernatorial race for the Medea sector.
1: At breakfast, I decided to meet some of the other passengers. I tried to strike up a conversation with a few of them. Believe me, I did try, but was always the same it went nowhere at first I thought it was because they could see from the get-go I wouldn't like them but I didn't think that was it when I talked they always seemed like they were interested but there was something about their answers I didn't know what it was it was almost like they were hiding something but that didn't feel right either I did notice this one man though he had this sort of a flat top haircut looked like he didn't belong there pretty much kept to himself. Later on, I spoke to him, just trying to be friendly. He looked right at me, didn't say a word, just turned and walked away. I started noticing this one woman on board every time I saw her. Something about her stood out, more down to earth. But she was looking real uncomfortable, distracted. Kept looking behind her, almost like something was after her, all nervous-like, fidgety, jumpy, really. Well, I kind of felt that way myself. Back in my room after dinner, I was exhausted. Lying in my bed, feeling kind of down, lonely. Heard this voice. I looked around the room, but there was nobody there. I heard it again. I got up. Next time I heard it, I realized it was in my mind but it wasn't like a regular thought. I knew it wasn't me. It was distorted, like it was calling out in some foreign language I couldn't understand. And it just stopped. I thought I must be losing it. At breakfast, I saw that same woman sitting at another table. As soon as our eyes met, somehow I knew that voice in my mind was coming from her. And I didn't know why, but for some reason, I acted like nothing had even happened. Maybe it was just the fear. But I didn't say anything or try to talk to her. Then after dinner in my room, I heard it again. This time, she was thinking a little in solar, mostly still in that other language. I could tell she was feeling like something bad was getting ready to happen she was scared i didn't feel like she was directing her thoughts toward me exactly it was more like i was listening in eavesdropping i couldn't answer and that got me scared so i just listened she was wondering what she was doing there and what was happening to her during waking hours i just avoided her It seemed like she was avoiding me, too, and that gave me the feeling she knew something, maybe something about me. It was almost like we were fugitives. By that time, I pretty much gave up on trying to talk to the other passengers. Back in my room after dinner, it happened again. But this time, it was different. This time, I got the feeling she'd be able to hear my thoughts, too. So real slow-like, I thought, I can... Hear you. I repeated it a few times. I can hear you. She went silent. Nothing. So I thought, it's okay. It's okay. And then nothing for a while. And finally, she thought, I know who you are. What is this? And that was how it started. Over the next few hours, we figured out how to put a few thoughts out to each other and answer. And I was even beginning to be able to understand a few words in that other language she was thinking in, too. She didn't know where it came from, either, or even how she knew it. She told me her name was Maru, and soon we were able to, I don't know what else to call it, to to think to each other. One would think the other would answer. She let me know she'd been living in a different settlement than me, back on the Mars colony. But she was in just about the same shape I was in back there. Her company downsized, she lost her job, couldn't find work, ran out of money, and wound up homeless. She won that same raffle at a shelter, just like me. She didn't have a family either.
0: Uh,
1: While we were thinking, all at once, another voice broke in. It was a man's voice. He kept interrupting us, but it wasn't like he was trying to interrupt us. It was more like he couldn't hear us thinking. He was just thinking out loud, planning something, running the same thoughts over and over, diagramming, memorizing During the waking hours, Maru and I would avoid each other. Each of us would go to different parts of the ship, keep to ourselves so we could think together. And it was the same every time. As soon as we started thinking together, it calmed both of us down. It was like we found a piece of ourselves that we didn't know was missing. We just stayed away from the other passengers, and we both agreed you could talk to them, and no matter what you said, they looked interested, but real quick, it was obvious they weren't and they didn't seem real interested in each other either. They never had arguments, but then again, none of them ever laughed, but they all seemed like they were satisfied. Then I saw Flattop again, and as soon as I saw him, I knew he was the one that was interrupting my thinking with Maru.
0: And now, a breaking story. Two military vessels have been reported missing from the Langley Moon Colony in the Medea Sector, Authorities are also on the hunt for two missing pilots. An anonymous source tells us they were part of the FTL test program. More on that as we have it. Peru
1: and I had learned to think to each other pretty well in solar, and not too bad in that other language, even though we still didn't know where it came from. Not only that, but we were beginning to be able to... Don't know how to say this without it sounding crazy to combine our mental capacities to create a sum that was greater than our separate parts. We could dial down Flat Top's interruptions too. We knew when he broke in that he wasn't aware of us so it was easy to ignore him. The only problem was his thoughts. We, we realized he was planning to take over the ship. We knew we could have thought to him about it if he wanted to, but it would have been pointless. He wouldn't have listened to us, and if he had, he wouldn't have been likely to change his mind. He was really pissed off at the Galcom Corporation about what was going on with the shipping lanes, all the disruption of the supply lines from the farm planets, all the things that were causing so many problems. Truth is that we didn't really understand the situation. He might have been right. And since he didn't know we could hear him, we just ignored him like he was outside, like a wolf howling. Then the time came when Flattop made his move. He busted through the doors of the dining hall with two other people we'd never seen before. They were holding what looked like some kind of hand weapons. They brought in the captain and three other crew members with them, and then they got everybody up, gathered us all together in a group. Flattop and the other men held those devices over their heads and pressed them with their thumbs. There was a high-pitched whining noise and everybody in the room froze right where they were. Just stood there, still as mannequins. Everybody except me and Maru. Flattop pointed at us and said, we don't know who you are, but we're gonna have to get you off the ship. Strangers walked us over to the pod launch sector. I said, what did you do to those people? No answer. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't have to do this. Wait. But they weren't hearing it. They told me to shut up. They shoved Maru and me into separate one-person pods. They told me they disabled my pods communicator, so don't bother trying to call anybody. Then they went out, they opened the pod bay doors, and they sent me off into space. I think they did the same thing to Maru, just in a different direction. Why did they have to do that? Why? Why did they have to, my God, my God. My God. I lost her. Maru. Tried to communicate. No use. Couldn't calm down. Maru, I need you now. Are you there?
0: You know, I wouldn't be shocked if there were a couple of Langley colonists that took those ships. You know, good on them. Fuck Galcom. Pleb is on their payroll, Nisma. I know it. What's that, Is No, it's not on. Oh.
1: So, I was alone. Where was Maru? Where had she gone? How could she be gone after all this? Maru! I tried with all my might to think to her. Maru, are you there? Nothing. Everything was blocked. I was so scared I was shaking. Impossible to concentrate. I needed to try to relax. I needed to breathe. Yes. Breathe. Galaxy Central
0: News! Good evening. This is Malin Marner, in for Caddy Elbasar. Transmissions from a Lucindra pod are being received periodically. Governor Pleb was asked about these messages. Well, first of all, there's no cause for alarm in these transmissions. Galcom experts have assured me that the content of these messages is a result of serious synaptic damage to the sender, possibly hallucinations due to food deprivation, and that the transmission language is just a nonsense language. Lucinda has not yet been located. There are reports that Galcom has hired linguists who are working to decipher some of the messages. Galcom firmly denies this. Spokespeople for the Langley colony could not be reached for comment.
1: Breathe, breathe, breathe. Maru, can you hear me? Breathe. there, oh yes, I could feel her, she was there, yes, Maru, I'm here, I'm here. But this time, it was different. This time, it, it felt like a voice was coming from a more intimate place and even though we were far apart, her voice felt so much closer. Even though I could feel that same comfort I felt every time I heard her, underneath that was something I didn't recognize, something that was making me feel a little hesitant. And I got this feeling that maybe there was something going on here that was way too big for me to control. Something so big that maybe it could control me.
0: And prize was performed, written, scored, and produced by Richard Haxton. It also featured the voices of Nadia Kamal, Jeff Entman, and Chris Bowman. You can find a whole solar system of Richard's work at hawkstown.net. Art for this episode by the Hugo Award-winning artist Vincent DeFate. The Outer Reach is presented by Maximum Fun, an artist-owned, audience-supported podcast network. See all that they have to offer at maximumfun.org. The Outer Reach was originally produced for Stitcher Premium in 2017. The show is created and produced by me, Nick White. Thanks for listening. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Stay tuned to hear another show from Maximum Fun.